Why didn't your favorite football team try, even try, to bring back one of your favorite football players? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. It probably got lost way more than it normally would have that Juju left the Steelers while they were signing their next number one quarterback and seemingly the rest of the entire free agency class. In a typical week or even month, Juju's departure would have been story number one. The only thing we were talking about, and all through last week, it just felt like something that you put inside parentheses. So let's let's do that today. Let's go at the Juju thing. Because I'll tell you this right now. The one thing that's crystal clear is that some combination of Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, and Art Rooney did not want this player back. How do I know that? Okay, well, I can get into stuff that I heard, secondhand, thirdhand, but I don't have to. I don't have to. Listen to this. The amount that was reported that Juju signed for was $10.75 million. That was his one-year deal. And that sounded like it would have been a raise over what the Steelers paid him last year, and that was $8 million. So it sounded like, all right, well, Juju did a little bit better, especially considering he didn't play most of the season. But yesterday, a report emerges that these were the actual terms of Juju's deal that were not made public right off the bat. It has a base value of $3.25 million. Of that, $2.49 million is fully guaranteed at the signing. And that's less than a third of what he made in Pittsburgh last year. Now, there are incentives in the contract that would allow Juju to make as much as an additional $7.5 million. Two million of that figure requires the Chiefs getting to the AFC championship game. Most of the rest of the incentives are going to be in the form of participation, meaning he's got to play X number of games. That's all you need to know about what the juju market was. It was close to non-existent. There was virtually nobody pursuing this player on an open market in which they don't even have to give up a draft pick or anything in a trade return. You can just walk right up to the player, hand him an appropriate amount of money, and he's yours. And that didn't happen. Why was that? What actually happened? 
I believe I have that answer. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Why did the Steelers not want Juju back? And there can't be any question right now that they didn't. If what I told you in the first portion of this segment didn't sell you on that, then I could also go read right off of Juju's mom's Instagram an impassioned post in which she said that Juju was trying everything that he could to come back, and the Steelers, quote, didn't want, end quote, her son. I mean, what's she going to do going on to social media and lying about that, especially when all of the facts around it support it? But why? Why did it happen? Well, to my understanding, there are two reasons. One of them, to repeat, is obvious. He didn't play enough. As Tomlin loves to say to his players, especially the younger ones, the best ability is availability. You need to be on the field. If you're not on the field, you're not really doing the Pittsburgh Steelers any good. Now, that can be cruel. That can be unfair. In most cases, it is. But it's the coach's way of getting players to try to at least minimize the risk that's involved by being in the best possible shape. No one's questioning Juju's conditioning or anything like that. I'm not equipped to do anything of the sort. But he didn't play. He didn't play. He got hurt lowering his shoulder and trying to go through a guy. Nothing wrong with that, but he didn't play. And he's had other injuries and other issues. And that leads me to number two, which I happen to believe is a bigger deal. Number two, and no one talks about this anywhere, even though I reported it a year and a half ago, and it made waves at the time, but it's not something that's stuck. It's not something that you heard continued conversation about. And what I reported was that throughout the 2020 season, the pandemic season, Juju continually had to have one of his knees drained every Friday on game week just so that he could get out there and play. Now, to my knowledge, there has not been a surgical procedure to address this. If there had been, there almost certainly would have been an announcement from the team. They do that. It's not right away. Sometimes they'll even wait like a month or two, but they'll tell you. And the coach himself will tell you when you get to training camp who had procedures. Nothing has come up regarding Juju and the knee. In fact, at the time, in 2020, when I knew, knew that he was getting the knee drained every Friday, even though he was getting days off, veterans days off or whatever it was, over the course of the week, the practice week, the knee would occasionally be mentioned 
on the injury reports, but not always. And any time the subject of the knee came up, including with Juju himself, there'd be a virtual no answer. He'd talk about other injuries. He'd never talk about the knee. Hmm. Okay. Well, am I the only one who feels as if Juju lost that glorious explosive extra step that he had as a rookie. And you know what I'm talking about. Those quick slants that Ben would throw five, six yards away, just off the edge of the line of scrimmage. And the next thing you knew, they were 75-yard touchdowns. Remember the one in Denver in particular? Just left guys in his dust. And this was not someone who was a blazer in college, but he had that, that gear, that bonus round, you know, where if he really, really needed to kick it into warp drive, he could do it and did. And then it was gone. And you can say all you want about how, okay, in his rookie year, he had Antonio Brown. And that's all legit. That's all legit. Juju had 11 100-yard receiving games when he was playing alongside A.B. And only one after that. Think about that. Like, wow. So that was a factor, and I'm not dismissing it. I'm saying that this, too, I believe, was a factor. And NFL executives and scouts, for the most part, aren't stupid. And they do their homework, and they study film. And when you see that across the board, no one wanted to touch this player, I think it's pretty reasonable to suggest that the Steelers, who would have known more about him than everyone else combined, were well within their rights to let him go. When we come back, just one question. Just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garvin, Kelly, and George. LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated Super Lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The Super Lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Mike Bordenaro, who asks, what could be the planet wide receiver now? Do the Steelers like Anthony Miller? Are they drafting two of them? Uh, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool aren't going to be good enough. I'm couldn't agree with you more on the latter, Mike. I, I also am sure that you'd agree with me that the Steelers would see it the same way. They've got to get receivers. Uh, they've got to get them in the draft. That doesn't mean they, they won't or can't add through free agency. But being realistic, and this is something I've talked about a lot, this team's pretty good at drafting receivers. Juju 
is evidence of that, having been a second rounder. Uh, Claypool is evidence of that, having been a second rounder. And yeah, I know both of their stocks have fallen since everyone was singing about the quality of those picks uh, for different reasons. Juju's been hurt and Chase, plain and simple, hasn't advanced as everyone had hoped. But there is the draft. And one of the main focuses that I have anytime any of the Steelers brass speaks before the draft is listen to how they feel about the positional weight of the class. Because they'll actually tell you that. They'll tell you if, for example, they don't see a lot of interior offensive linemen. So you kind of put in the back of your head, huh, well, doesn't mean they won't take one. It just might mean that it's not that thick with them, that there might not be a great number of them, thereby reducing the chances that the Steelers would end up with the guy that they'd want. But it means something. It means something, and I've noticed that in the past. And one of the positions that Colbert highlighted in his session with us about a month ago was wide receiver. Said it was a good class. Now, that's easily corroborated by all of the various experts and analysts out there, the people that spend all year doing their own independent studies of the college class. Uh, They like the wide receivers. That's not news. That now happens every year. You now see wide receivers, really good ones, lasting even into the third round. You'll see them go 10, 11, 12 deep with high-quality players. Now, no one's talking about this class of wide receivers in that tone just yet, but you don't need to draft you know, a dozen of them. You just need one, or as you mentioned, two if you're pushing it. Not sure I'd go with two. There's other stuff that the team needs to address. But I do want to come back to your citing Anthony Miller there. Uh, a lot of people don't even know he was on the team. <laughs> One catch for two yards only appeared in a handful of games. And this is someone who had some background with the Bears. And we know who his quarterback was out there. Miller will be back with the Steelers. He was re-signed in late January. Again, another one of those transactions that doesn't exactly scream off the page at anybody. But he showed something. He showed something in training camp. He showed something in practices. The team liked him. They clearly didn't like him enough to put him out there ahead of the four guys that they were using. But here we are in a situation where Juju's gone, Ray Ray McLeod is gone, there's a new quarterback, there's going to be some kind of significant change to the offense and the offensive system, and maybe Miller's a fit for that. And I'd be remiss, by the way, if I didn't throw in that, you know, they've got to use these tight ends. you know, And I'm not just going to limit that to Pat Fryermuth because Zach Gentry showed us some stuff too over the course of the season, especially later on. Uh, This coordinator's got to be reminded that he has tight ends. You know, he's got guys that he can throw to here. And I, I pin that way, way more on Matt Canada than on Ben Roethlisberger.
Roethlisberger. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow.